0: This episode of the Case for Safety podcast is sponsored by Safety Focus, ASSP's premier hybrid education event. Join us for Safety Focus February 12th through the 16th, 2024 in Irvine, California, and online February 19th through the 23rd to gain in-depth training on important safety topics and collaborate with expert instructors and fellow safety professionals on real-world challenges. Learn more and register at safetyfocus.assp.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Case for Safety podcast. I'm your host, Scott Fowler. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going into the archive this week to share an episode from last year about safety and health metrics, specifically as it relates to the ANSI ASSP Z16 standard, which was published last year. This episode features Z16 chair and vice chair, Alexi Carley and Steve Newell, and they share a lot of great insights about the Z16 standard and how it can help you select meaningful safety and health metrics that will help you achieve your objectives. So with that, I hope you enjoy this episode. Continually measuring the performance of your safety and health management system is a key to establishing a path to continuous improvement. ANSI ASSP Z16 provides a scope of safety and health metrics to help organizations better understand and improve safety and health performance. Joining me today to talk about this standard and how it can help you improve your performance, I'm uh, very excited to welcome the chair and vice chair of the Z16 committee. They are Alexi Carley and Steve Newell. Alexi is president of Carly Consulting, LLC, and uh, Steve is an executive eh advisor at NSC ORC. Uh, Alexi, Steve, welcome. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks for the invite. Thanks for having
0: me. Great to have you. Really uh, excited to, to talk with both of you today. It's always exciting when we have a, a new standard to talk about. And before we kind of get into the, the details of the standard, I thought we could talk just a little bit about the, uh, the history you know, how it got to where it is today. So Steve, uh, I thought you could uh, maybe kick us off and give us the the origin story of Z16 and why ASSP began working on updating the Z16 standard, all that good stuff.
2: Okay, I'll I'll give it a try. So, you know, uh, safety and health performance metrics are important. They're really needed to track progress, drive improvement, allocate scarce resources where they're needed most. And, you know, the current metrics paradigm really doesn't meet those needs. Um, Z16 has been around for a long time. I've <laughs> I've been around for a long time, and uh, you know I was I was around when OSHA was really setting up the OSHA system. But uh, the Z16 metrics, there was Z16 one and two. Uh, they were really about you know capturing information on on injury and illness. Those were uh, eventually tabled with the passage of the Occupational Safety and Health Act and 1970, an implementation of a, of a national statistical system for recording and reporting occupational injuries and illnesses. That that system was administered by BLS and enforced by OSHA, and, and OSHA rates became generally accepted as kind of the metrics to be used for driving and gauging safety and health performance. They were benchmarked by companies. They were used by OSHA to justify standards and to to target enforcement. And, you know, decades later, this, the safety and health metrics paradigm has evolved somewhat. I mean, companies are using some leading indicators, but the focus largely remains unchanged. And that focus has really still been on lagging metrics, uh, largely the OSHA data. And I can tell you, you know, I, I'm an old dog. I, I worked for ORC for over two decades, but before that, I worked for federal OSHA and before that i headed the ongoing safety and health programs at bls and years ago i wrote something called the osha blue book which was sort of the bible for you know determining which cases go on the osha log and i can tell you the osha system was really designed to get the government aggregate statistics by state and industry to help administer federal and state programs it really wasn't designed to be used the way it's been being used today over reliance on the osha data has serious drawbacks you know, for continuous improvement, you know, the current measures have limited value. Using a single trailing metric doesn't really provide the insights needed to drive continuous improvement. You know, it, it, tell, it doesn't really tell you whether key prevention efforts are getting done or how well they're getting done. It doesn't really provide insights into what works and what doesn't work. Uh, and tracking failures really limits our ability to learn. You know, there's a book by Eric Holnagel called Safety One and Safety Two, and one of the points that Holnagel makes is that, you know, we really need to be learning from success, uh, not just failures. So, you know, there's wide variations that exist when it comes to under current systems, when it comes to measuring performance. I think there, the accuracy of the trailing metric, the OSHA data is suspect. The, my experience has been over the years that the more pressure you put on the OSHA data, the worse they get. Low rates can reflect good safety and health performance, or it could be luck or it could be not knowing the rules, or it could be intentional underreporting. And OSHA's ability really to enforce uh, that information is really limited. Uh, OSHA lost a significant court case a couple of years back called Volks, which really impacts their ability to go out and enforce the requirements. And OSHA tried to, to get past that with a, a record-keeping regulation that was overturned by a Congressional Review Act. So, you know, the, the data that companies are using provides limited insight, it's not very reliable, and it really results in wasted time and misdirected uh, resources. And one of the things you'll see, and we'll get into this as we talk about the new standard, is we really uh, are trying to not only measure what gets done and what safety and health results that produces, but also the business impact that has, and try and uh, make the, help make the case That safety and health efforts really drive business performance. So that's, you know, that's kind of the background for this. I think there's, uh, and Alexi will take you through this and I will too, there's a lot of, there's a lot of meat in the new standard that I think is really going to help safety and health professionals not only do what needs to be done, but to be empowered to do what needs to be done. And that's significant.
0: So, Uh, Alexi, kind of working from what what Steve just talked about there, you know, where Z16 comes in, I thought we could kind of move into, you know, the the meat of of the standard, you know, talk about kind of give an overview of the standard, the scope, uh, the purpose to kind of give folks a little better idea of, you know, how this standard can help them improve their safety and health performance.
1: Well, you know, and I think, you know, Steve was already alluding to, The standard really goes, it broadens the scope of how you're taking a look at your safety and health performance. You know, Steve mentioned a lot of what really needed to be changed based on how stuff was currently measured and and the focus on some of the lagging indicators. Some of that actually led to some of the OSH roles of being looked at as the safety cop, you know, from that of enforcement. And so part of you know the scope and the purpose of the z 6 is to kind of change that view of occupational safety and health to be the strategic business partner to enable business and resiliency. So therefore, this broadened scope um, of the metrics that we uh, cover really goes beyond injury rates. And it's gonna you know, include things like your fleet, uh, property, third party, reputation, uh, as well as resilience, because uh, we really, uh, and I think it's demonstrated with what was going on right now with COVID uh, and the importance of that in, in trying to keep our businesses functioning. It also provides what we'll call a balanced approach to measurement with a special emphasis on understanding and managing risk, which I think we all know is at the heart of what we do, right, is, is to try to reduce the risk. But at the same time, we're also evaluating some of these other areas of our occupational safety and health management systems, because that's how things get done. Uh, you know, it sets policy and you know procedures and things. And those are the things that support all of our efforts and that's what supports uh, risk reduction. And so, and you're gonna hear this, I think in, in uh, you know, a few times in some of uh, what we're gonna cover, but um, it uses leading metrics which are the process inputs and outputs, and the things that can influence and predict outcomes, which uh, are your results, your lagging metrics, as well as what Steve was already mentioning, we're gonna call them business impact metrics. And and we'll, we'll talk about those, I think a little bit more. So we're calling this kind of like a balanced set of metrics. Now, uh, I do want to point out that it isn't a certification standard. So in other words, you're not going to, you know, like have an audit in terms of, you know, know, the implementation of things like that. But uh, conformance with the standard does require this balanced set of metrics for at least one risk and then one other uh, management system element that's been identified. A balanced set isn't required for everything and may not even be feasible for everything that organizations have to measure. But of course, it's encouraged because if you think about it, if what you're measuring doesn't result in some sort of a change, in some sort of an action, or an impact on the business, then the question you have to ask is why are you measuring it? Because, you know, it if, 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 there, if it's not gonna do anything, well then no one's gonna pay attention to that measure. And sometimes when you have those kinds of measures, it can really derail what you're trying to do because you know people are, are just going to ignore it. And, and you're not gonna have the buy-in that you need and the support in order to do what you need to do as an occupational safety and health professional. And that's why also the standard includes involvement of key stakeholders in the development and the selection of metrics, and it also covers other things like data quality and accuracy and normalization. Because, because of course, you know, of course, data um, the data itself is important. Uh, and and I think um, Steve alluded to you know talking about continual improvement. The standard also covers ensuring that. What was actually intended to be measured really is, and then evaluating if maybe there were any unintended consequences. You know, there could be, you know, problems with the data or the interpretation of the data, or, uh, you know, God forbid, you know, perhaps some gamification uh, of, um, you know, the, the data itself. There's also a comprehensive appendix. Ah uh, that goes along with the standard and it's going to help explain some of the other key areas in a little bit more detail, and it does provide examples.
0: something you you just touched on there that I've always taken a lot of interest in with regard to this standard is that balanced metrics approach and the the selection of the metrics, what goes into that, what you know what you want to measure and what information you're hoping to you gather from that. So uh, Steve, I wonder if you could talk a little more about that approach the the balanced metrics and how that can, you know, help you establish an accurate portrait of your safety and health performance?
2: Sure. So, you know, Alex referred to this, that no single leading or lagging metric can really represent the wide range of, of factors associated with safety and health management and safety and health performance. It, you know, we already talked about that, that years ago, the focus was to look at, at a trailing metric, a single outcome measure, which was the OSHA data and the flaws that, and on problems that cause, the same really goes for leading indicators in a way. Leading indicators were really introduced into the safety and health profession about two decades ago. Um, I was one of the the folks that helped do that. And, you know, they do provide some value in terms of they tell you, you can use leading metrics to identify, you know, what's being done and how well it's being done. But when used in isolation, they still have limited value because they don't tell you whether or not they're producing the desired result. And so, you know, tying leading metrics to a trailing metric or an outcome measure makes a lot of sense. What Alexi referred to that I think is even more critical these days is tying it to business impact and business performance. You know, the, my, my job has really been working with, we, we run networks we service about 100 large corporations in about 30 different industries and my experience over the years has been that my members generally know what needs to be done to protect people one of the biggest challenges is getting you know their business leaders to empower them to do it and one of the ways you can do that is by demonstrating business impact and you know what what our safety and health efforts are doing for the business and how that's tied to business strategy and business goals and, and objectives. And so you know, tying the results of risk reduction and management system improvements to business impacts it ends up, you know showing what we're doing for things like productivity or quality or worker well-being. or you know, in these days when they talk about the, the mass exodus and people moving around from company to company, it really helps with recruiting, or retention, or morale, company reputation. I mean, I had a friend years ago, and he said, "You know, our our job is to have healthy employees productively at work." And you know the way the way you can do that is one of the keys to that is really safety and health performance and safety and health efforts. So you know the key of, of a balanced set of metrics is that it captures interrelationships and really provides a multi dimensional view. Of safety and health performance, what's being done, the safety and health efforts that it's producing, and the impacts that that's having on the business, and that stuff is all interconnected and interrelated. And you, and really, without a balanced approach, you have no clue. You really, you know, companies are are basically flying blind if all they're doing is looking at their ocean injury and illness rates.
0: Absolutely. That's, that's, that's a very good point. And something you touched on there is, and has kind of been a common thread throughout our conversation so far is leading and lagging indicators and, and those different types of metrics. So I thought we could kind of take a deeper dive into that and talk about you know, some examples of leading and lagging indicators. Another thing in Z16 is impact metrics. So I thought we could kind of spend some time talking about that and kind of the information that each of those types of metrics can provide an organization.
1: Well, I think as, as Steve was kind of alluding to, you know, why, why you're using all, you know, the different types and together in, in, uh, in a balanced approach and, inter, and kind of the, the interrelationships between them, you know, because the whole idea is to say, you know, what are you trying to do? How are you going to do it? And why are you doing it? You know, you've got to understand what's happening, why it's happening and, and how, to, how to fix it or you know, how to um, bring it to resolution. So you, you've got to use you know, both, all three types uh, of metrics. And so you, you are looking at, you know, what is it you want to achieve, right? So to uh, identify and, and develop metrics, you're gonna ask yourself several key questions. Uh, the first being, well, what is it you want to achieve? What's the objective or the goals to be achieved? Those are your lagging metrics. And then you're gonna ask question two. So what are the activities, your process inputs and outputs that are gonna help achieve these objectives and goals? Okay, that's your leading metrics. These are the things that can influence your outcomes. And then the last question you kind of ask is when a metric is aligned with your organization's objectives and goals and what's the impact when you reach your objective or goal, or when you don't, because it could be a positive or a negative impact. And and again, these impact metrics highlight the organizational and business impacts of OSH performance. And then it can include many different things like financial or productivity, reputational quality, could be employee morale, absenteeism. They help provide the why, and I know we mentioned it before, you really have to consider the why of anything that you are going to measure, because why are you doing it? That'll help your buy-in as well from the organization as well as your operations that it impacts so that they understand what it is that you want to achieve, but basically what's in it for them, what's in it for the organization. Also, the appendix on the impact metrics provides some additional examples and it explains in a, in a short way uh, how to calculate the impact of OSH interventions. And it explains some basic financial principles like cost benefit analysis and payback and ROI uh, and a few others. And in addition, there is one section that addresses how to develop a comprehensive business case. We as safety and health professionals are competing for resources with our other counterparts in the organization. We realize that there's usually only so many resources, whether it's financial people, to go around. And so how you can present some of the whys and the needs are very important.
0: That is a perfect segue into my next question. I love what you said there about, you know, thinking about the why and what's in it for the organization, because another really important component of this is the communication. So I wonder if we could spend some time talking about the importance of communicating with stakeholders about how performance is going to be measured, how success is going to be measured and some effective communication methods and uh, how the standard should be used.
1: Well, Communication and the use of the safety and health metrics is very important. Uh, as you you know, you know noted, I mean, organizations use metrics as part of their continual improvement process, right? Uh, corporations systematically measure their performance. And metrics are selected, of course, based on the identified goals and objectives. And then you got to look at the various actions that you need to complete in order to achieve them. Uh, but importantly, they are assigned based on the organizational level. depends on whether you are, you know, an employee, if you're in a supervisory level or, you know, an executive level. And these metrics help ensure that both the employees as well as management, based on their own roles and responsibilities that they're fulfilling in the organization, can achieve them and the effective communication helps ensure that these stakeholders whether again it's employees or management that they can use these metrics to answer questions and make informed decisions uh, the stakeholders have to understand how to interpret and act on the metric that helps focus their efforts in the most effective direction that way they know how they're contributing to what needs to be achieved some things that you have to think about is when you want to engage your, your stakeholders, it really helps to drive change because you're communicating the results of improvements. You know, that, you know, here's what we want to achieve and here is how well we're doing it. Or perhaps things have to be changed midstream or, you know, just very slightly. You want to keep information in front of decision makers. And this is really important, especially with upper management. It's also important if you are trying to drive, let's say, a major change or a major project or initiative and keeping people abreast of how it's doing and what it's doing is really going to be important. And then also within the organization or even outside the organization, you can use these metrics for benchmarking success, either by function or operation, or, you know, by type of industry, you can kind of look at yourself and say, you know, hey, how are we comparing with regards to that? And then we communicate that, of course, through the organization so that everybody understands the charge. And because of the communication is so vital, good channels or the right channels have to be implemented across the organization. I think we all can appreciate the fact that we're flooded with a lot of information, whether it's coming from email or texts or conference calls or or whatever it is. And, And the appropriate communication methods as well as the right kind of information is important so that you get the right information, it gets to the right audience, And then it will hopefully then lead to the desired results. Metrics, you know, as I kind of mentioned before, they're used by operations leaders to influence the processes that are being tracked. And you're just trying to describe how the business is performing. So, you know, sometimes these things are on a push system. Sometimes it's on a pull system, depending on your organization's communication vehicles. A lot of organizations, you know, instead of using email, uh, have gravitated towards things like dashboards, where you can have some of the major elements of what the organization is trying to achieve, and you you know they may even color code them. You know sometimes graphs and things like that help. The visual impact sometimes helps stimulate the interest. It's also important for every organizational level to own the metrics that measure their goals and actions, and and each level or each person, they really have to understand what the metric represents and how it's important to the organization in order to affect change. So, it, you know, in other words, the, the metrics really have to be relevant. So it's, you know, so it's just, it's not just putting the, the information out there. It's really about the, the, the quality, you know, how you're transmitting it. Does it make sense? And, and making sure that it's actually visible and then received by your uh, listener or your viewer.
2: Yeah, so Alexi, you did a great job with that. But the, um, when we first started talking about the standard, we really talked about it in four buckets. And it was really leading indicators, trailing indicators, value-based measures, which became business impact measures. But the other thing that we, we talked about that Alexi referred to is communication issues and how to manage up because we really felt that the safety and health profession does a great job technically in, in dealing with safety and health risk, but we really don't know how to communicate to leadership very well. So there's information in the standard that Alexi alluded to that really gives pointers and tells people how to communicate, how to use leverage the value of the metrics. I think there's information in the standard, and I think there's probably also information in the appendices.
0: Now, at the heart of all this is really Driving towards continuous improvement, as we've talked about, you know, selecting the, the right metrics that will help you continually improve your safety and health performance. So, using Z16, how can safety professionals, you know, evaluate the metrics that they've selected, identify gaps, and then take corrective action to keep that continuous improvement going?
1: Well, uh, yes, Scott, the, the standard does have a, a section actually that, that does address that. Because, you know, I think like anything, you you have to have regular reviews of effectiveness, whether it's in your actions or, you know, uh, what you're measuring, you know. And and you want to do this evaluation with your cross-functional stakeholders, again, who should be part of this whole process in order to help ensure that you are achieving continual improvement. Some of the areas that the standard addresses uh, for evaluation would be, uh, whether the metrics are accurate, you know, first, of all, you know, the, whether they're comparable, are they reproducible? And, and most importantly, are they meaningful and are they relevant? And, and that means, are they relevant to the levels or, you know, the individuals who are being expected to complete various uh, activities in order to achieve results? Are the metrics driving the actions needed to achieve your objectives? I think, as safety professionals, we've all probably experienced something where we thought, okay, you know, if we're going to do a particular audit or a particular activity, we were expecting a certain result to occur, and then we find that perhaps that wasn't the case. So those are the things that that we have to take a look at. You have to make sure that the metrics are clearly understood. Can they actually be acted upon by the intended audience? Do they actually have control over? what you're trying to measure. Otherwise it's just a wish list and and, and you know that that's not going to be achieved. And then again, as I think we mentioned before, you want to ensure that it's not driving any unintended or unanticipated consequences, but those things could be positive or negative just because it's an unintended consequence doesn't necessarily mean something bad happened. You may have something positive as well. And then if you find gaps within your metrics then you want to implement some corrective actions and you develop them. And then, just like anything in a continual improvement process, you want to track it to make sure that it's been achieved. Uh, for example, if you have find that rates were based on flawed data, uh, and that can happen sometimes, or maybe the interpretations weren't quite the same, then the data has to be corrected. And then you update your metrics descriptions. Maybe a major risk category wasn't included in the balance set that somehow, you know, was missed. And then you have to adjust your uh, choice of metrics. The, uh, the appendix does contain an example evaluation tool, but certainly you can uh, adapt your own. It's just important to make sure that metrics, not just the, the actions or our goals, are systematically Looked at, but the metrics themselves and the numbers and everything surrounding them and the things they're driving have to be monitored and evaluated and updated in order to ensure uh, you're driving continual improvement in our safety and health performance. So now,
0: Steve, when when you think about Z sixteen, you know all the different components of it that we've touched on. How do you see it being used by safety and health professionals as they work to improve conditions at their organizations?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. So. I think about it, maybe the underlying theme is understanding that, you know, if, if you're in an organization that's trying to drive safety and health by just looking at OSHA rates, I think you're flying blind. So with Z16, basically, you're able to track progress, you know, in a more accurate way. I think you're un- able to better understand what is working and what's not working and why you're able to focus better on risk. And I think our folks can use this to start directing their, their actions on risk and things that really have, have a meaningful impact. So it allows them to better set priorities for intervention. I think it allows them to drive excellence in their safety and health management safety system. Safety and health management you know. system is basically how policies and programs are put in place in companies. And they're, it's a really key to performance. So they're able to better do that. They're able to do improved benchmarking. You know, if, if they're going to compare sites or they want to compare with other companies, they can compare in a meaningful way because they, you know, the way things are now, if some a site or a company has a low OSHA rate. You know, it could be because they're good, could be because they're lucky, could be because they don't know the rules, or it could be because they intentionally underreport. So it allows for better benchmarking. It allows them to better compete for resources, Alexi mentioned that, that, you know, and we've always had the moral high ground as a way to make the case for health and safety. But uh, even in companies that are trying to do the right thing by by being able to demonstrate business impact, it allows people to, to do what needs to be done, maybe in an easier way, where, you know, if they're reporting to a board of directors, they can show that that having safe and healthful operations are, are not only right thing to do, but it's the best business thing to do. It allows us to better choose even things like capital investments. You know, where are you putting your scarce resources in a company? If you know you've got high risk operations and the data are solid, it it allows you to better do that. It allows them to better pre-qualify contractors for jobs or choose better supply chain partners because they have accurate data to do that. I think it'll allow our folks to to have better dialogue with business leaders, because I think they, you know, as Alexi referred to multiple times, it's really tying what we do to business strategy and business goals and objectives. And one thing I thought about, you know, we have notes for these things, and I had my notes all laid out. One thing I, I added I was thinking about is it allows our guys to have better dialogue with operations folks and frontline workers, because the health and safety function is not trying to hold them accountable for data that they know is crap. So, you know, I mean, I I think that at the end of the day, this will really improve our profession and it'll, it'll help them do what needs to be done in a better and more informed way.
0: Absolutely. I think this is, this is going to be such a great tool for, you know, safety professionals, uh, regardless of, you know, the, the size of their organization, what kind of business they might be in. Any uh, uh, final thoughts uh, either of you'd like to, to share about uh, Z16 or, or performance evaluation as, uh, as we wrap up?
1: I think people say there's been a lot of articles. There's been a lot published about metrics and, and specifically about leading metrics, because I think, you know, people are somehow or safety professionals are somehow looking for the holy grail. And, uh, you know, and, and this isn't necessarily, there are some folks, I think, that have may have had the expectation that the Z16 is going to be the holy grail of the metrics that you need to measure. And it really isn't. It's a process to try to help you identify the right metrics for your particular business, for what you're trying to achieve because there really isn't a singular master list, I'll call it, of metrics to say, you know, you as a safety and health, you measure these things, you are going to be successful. It just doesn't work that way. And so, you know, in some respects, you'd say, you know, we want to make sure we're setting the expectation that that, you know, the Z16 is not going to be a master laundry list of the best metrics to measure as an occupational safety and health professional it's really outlining a process to help you identify what to measure and how to you know achieve your goals and objectives and then if you do how you are helping the capacity of the organization and uh, ensuring efficient operations
2: yeah i just add to that so i'm i'm in my 50th year in the profession and I can tell you that metrics have been a kind of a long-standing challenge, but I think Alexi's right. You know, Z16 isn't the answer, but what it does do is it gives people a framework and an approach and a way to think about metrics. Leading indicators, are, you know, you're going to have to pretty much identify those, you know, that are relevant for your operation and your site. But the idea of starting to think about not just an outcome metric like OSHA data, but to think about what are the inputs that really resulted in that outcome? And then what are the impacts on the business? I think if there's one big thing coming out, well, there's probably three big things coming out of this standard. One is we're really telling people you need to think about risk. And that's a big, that's a big change because a lot of our folks are so focused on OSHA rates, they're really not thinking about risk within their their business. And so, you know, risk is important. And, you know, the way you deal with risk is through your management system. So we're saying you need to think about your safety and health management system and how that, you know, how that interacts with risk. And Lexi was really the driver for this. She really was. The whole idea about business impact and, you know, why are you doing what you do and how does that relate to the overall business and what, you know, we're, we're business enablers. And uh, I don't think as a profession, we've really figured out how to make that case. So those those are all baked into the standard. And it really is a way to think about what we do. The individual metrics will come from the individual companies. But the framework and the way to think about metrics, I think, is what we ba- tried to bake into the standard.
0: Yes. Thank you both. Those were both th- uh, fantastic points to end on. So I d- just uh, thank you both again. This is a really, really exciting standard, and I know a lot of safety professionals will be looking forward to it. So uh, I really uh, thank you uh, for coming on and sharing your perspective. It's our pleasure.
2: It was fun to do it with you.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Case for Safety podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect with us at ASSP.org. We'll see you next time.